electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Higher yields yield big changes in tech from the mega cap to the startup, how the price of money is making its presence felt in tech. It's Monday, October 23rd. Welcome to Tech Check. I'm Jair Drabosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Our story as we await earnings this week from Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta, Amazon, how higher yields in the treasury market are rippling through the tech ecosystem, D. And rippling indeed, because again, we haven't really seen these rates in such a long time and the impact on tech. 10-year treasury yield hitting 5% for the first time since 2007. A major milestone, but what's so interesting is that it's hitting the tech complex in some very, very different ways. It used to be as simple as yields up, risk off, right? Tech implies future growth, new companies, new disruptions, so that future growth would be worth less. But as we've talked about before, very, very different today, Gilbert. Mega caps, they actually look safer, more defensive in this environment because of their balance sheets. They're more mature businesses, but still our favorite word, Garby, growth at a reasonable price. Right. And the double nature of these companies, they're high growth, but they're also very large and seen as safe recurring businesses. They sort of, they, they exist in both categories now. Yeah, we're going to talk about their huge cash piles in a moment, but let's get to the startup side of this equation because- it's on the very other side of the spectrum. Um, these are tech companies, startups, that are more tech companies in your traditional sense. They're still building. They're focusing on growth, accumulating users. So they're pushing profitability out to later when their business scales. The problem with that, though, is that rising yields make that business incredibly unattractive. A few different reasons here, but the two major ones, valuations come down because the current value of that future cash flows it's worth less when rates are higher because you have to take into account the cost of money. Money is more expensive now because rates are higher. At the same time, their borrowing costs are increasing or they're not able to find financing at all in this environment. So that is very, very much a double whammy, a perfect storm, whatever you want to call it, that is actually now leading to more startup, startups shutting down. Right. And those those two things are obviously connected because as your valuation comes down, that means that, you know, a VC or sovereign wealth fund is less, uh, you know, it's less attractive for them to put money versus when startups, you know, line always goes up. It's very easy to get financing because the, the, uh, whoever is putting, you know, value in at a, at a series D is confident that in a series E there, it's going to be higher and higher and higher. You could also call it like a death spiral for particularly yes. money losing companies, right? It's just one thing on top of another. Both They're getting squeezed on both sides. Exactly. And then we got some data from Carta, which is a company that helps startups and VCs manage equity or their cap table related activities. And Carta found that nearly 550 startups have closed this year, gone, gone out of business or gone bankrupt. And that's more than all of last year, where the number was 467. We're only through about nine months of the year. And they come to the conclusion that this has already been the most difficult year for early stage companies in at least a decade. And I will say that the more surprising thing about this, Mark, is that it hasn't actually already happened. I thought these numbers would look a lot worse. I talked to a lot of VCs and startup founders here, and 
they expected sort of a wave of bankruptcies because when you think that these companies raised money back at the peak in 2021, right, when the conditions were a lot more um, favorable to them, they're starting to get to the end of their runway and they can do something called bridge financing, which is kind of pushing those problems out into the future. But I wonder if this is now a point where we're going to start to see more and more of this. And Carter looked at companies that have raised money and haven't raised money. So you hear on the news about the companies that have raised money and have gone down, but there's a whole cohort of companies that were never even able to raise money that will just have to shut down now. So with the yield, the 10-year yield at 5%, too, you know, as it's gone higher over these past few months, it's only going to amplify those challenges. And when you talk about these numbers from Carter, you can see that the pace of closures that actually spiked in the third quarter. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about one company in particular, because I think it's indicative of the space. Um, Convoy, this is a trucking startup that was backed by Jeff Bezos and some other very high profile. Bill Gates. Um, Bill Gates, exactly. Investors. These numbers are just staggering, Gilbert. It raised $260 million at a $3.8 billion valuation just 18 months ago, and it was expected to surpass a billion dollars in annual revenue. And, you know, it did things like many rounds of layoffs. Right, not closed offices, yeah. And I, I think that that you uh, that you brought up, you know, many expected that there would be this this wave of bankruptcies. I think this, you know, the spike in the third quarter of this year is is maybe raising the question, is that wave upon us? And I think the other way to look at this is that many were surprised at the way that Silicon Valley was able to sort of turn on a dime and and, uh, you know, get a lot leaner and and really think about cost cutting and, and uh, you know, and change a lot of their behavior. And I think that took people by surprise that, that, that they that they thought that some of these, um, you know, free lunches and these huge pay packages that some of this stuff couldn't be turned around. And, and it was. And in a way, Convoy, it, it is a little bit unique because um, it's part of the freight market collapse, right? That has contributed to this. It's not just like any startup. It's also those macro pressures hit this company particularly hard. But like you said, there was all these levers they could pull to reduce their costs. And that was, you know, this the sentiment in the CEO letter to staff, which GeekWire, um, a great publication in Seattle, published, quoted the CEO, wrote to staff and said, in the end, the market forces were too strong for us to withstand on our own. He said they were running up the down escalator and it kept speeding up. That That's is a such quote. a difficult position yeah. for a company. But, you know, a company that was valued at nearly $4 billion just 18 months ago. Right. You don't think of a company yeah, that's raised that much money and is that sort of valuation as being on the verge of bankruptcy and sort of how did that how did that happen and, and how was it able to get to that point? And you have to wonder how much time founders spend thinking about interest rates, right? It feels like this sort of Wall Street concept and Silicon Valley has operated for so long on the premise of disruption and changing the world in the future. But what interest rates, rising interest rates does is it brings that cold, hard reality closer, much faster. And the CEO of Convoy, he even alluded to this. He said the dramatic monetary tightening we've seen over the last 18 months has dramatically dampened investment appetite and shrunk flows into unprofitable late stage private companies. So if you're a founder or CEO of a startup and you're not thinking about interest rates, you kind of got your head in the sand now because as one you know, large startup founder told me, interest rates are the only thing that matters, matters for your valuation, for your cost of capital, for all of these things. And this Convoy CEO was looking for strategic acquirers, right? Every other avenue was exhausted. And he said, 
that even the logical strategic acquirers of Convoy are suffering from this collapse and rate increases, right? The bar just gets that much higher for even a would-be acquirer to take on some of these unprofitable startups. Right. And I think if if founders and VCs uh, in Silicon Valley thought about interest rates at all, they thought about the sort of like meme and what's become the accepted accepted wisdom that a decade of super low interest rates flooded, you know, the valley and with cash from you know Tiger and Sequoia and SoftBank, and that led to these huge ballooned valuations. If if they thought about interest rates at all, that was sort of like the conventional wisdoms of interest rates. But then once you raised that money. Then they sort of moved on, right? Then, then all of a sudden, you know, your your CFO and your CFO and your corporate finance department was like, yeah, yeah, they'll figure it out, they'll pay the checks. But actually, you know, those interest rates really mattered, especially if you're in this real world business, um, and you're and the freight market collapses. It's all of a sudden mm-hmm. that stuff really starts to matter. Your cost of capital. Another, I think, simple simplified way of thinking about this is that lower interest rates gave startups time time to develop their business models, time to maybe burn through cash because that future profitability, investors were willing to wait because there wasn't this really safe, relatively higher yielding investment of treasuries that you could just park your money in. So it's reduced their timeline for the start. Exactly. They have and to freight, figure I mean, out freight companies specifically are all about the timeline, right? It's all about when do they, you know, it's accounts receivable, um, versus accounts payable. When do you when do you get paid versus when you get paid for delivery? Um, so I mean, you we know, took if, a real. If you, you were looking though, one more thing on this. If you were looking at public companies, right, you might have seen this coming. Take Uber Freight, right? It had made a big bet on this and was putting money into exactly it. Exactly, and it has that, dramatically yeah. reduced and sold off parts of that business. So that was happening in the public space, and then you also have other private companies. I think there's a lot of questions around Flexport too, which is in the logistics industry. What's going to happen? They've that was the people. other one, yeah, that I was going to bring up is Flexport is clearly, you know, uh, the 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 drama and the backstory around Flexport uh, firing its CEO, Dave Clark, that had hired from Amazon is all about the declining, you know, the vanishing profitability at the company because of all of these forces. Um, so all these things, you know, the the, the smaller startup companies could, could look small to, to what eventually comes down the pike at the end of this year or even in 2024. Uh, you know, startups that raise money in 2021 when conditions were a lot more favorable were getting on to, you know, one, two, three years from the last time that they raised money and they may be getting to the end of that cash that they have on hand. They can only last so long before founders need, you know, in a lot of these situations that they are unprofitable and they need to tap other sources of capital. That used to be an IPO. Now we're going to see what that looks like. And even for those founders and startups that wanted to delay that potential down round by going out and raising more money, they could do bridge rounds. So that's essentially follow on funding. You ask your existing investors to tack on some extra money to that latest round, but only that can last so long before founders need to go out and tap other sources of capital, which are, as we've talked about, drying up or looking for strategic acquirers, which are facing their own challenges. So that's all to say that this may just be starting. Um, I spoke to Avlock Coley. He is CEO of Angelus, and this is another platform for startups and VC funding. He gets a ton of data, and he was saying the similar thing. He said it could get worse before it gets better especially if you don't see venture capital funds raising the same amount of money. So there is still money being raised. And we've talked about this in the past, but some of the big guys like Tiger Global and SoftBank, they're having trouble raising what they set out to raise. I mean, it's still billions of dollars, but it's billion dollars less than what they would have liked to see. Exactly. 
Um, and then there's that major exception, right, Gilbert? A generative AI startups. This looks like a completely different market. Right, exactly. Right. If you're a generative AI startup and have a chatbot, it's very easy to to find finance. Like, although you know, as we've talked about in in previously, I think we talked about it last two weeks ago. There are also cracks in that market um, as well. Now, let's switch over. So we started talking about at the beginning of this podcast about the mega caps, uh, you know, and how what a strong position they're in, and, and yields actually are making a big impact in the mega cap valuation at this point. Right. It couldn't be more different here because these are companies with cash flow. And that is, you know, really the critical thing here. These are giants. They're sitting on billions and billions of dollars. In the case of Apple, 167 billion in cash investments as of last quarter. Alphabet is sitting on 150 billion. Microsoft, 120 billion dollars. Um, we did a bit of back of the envelope. Back of the envelope math. Yeah. Excuse <laughs> that. If you work in corporate finance, really excuse this next segment. But yeah. Yes, this is our this is our uh, sort of dumb take on it. But let's figure that that cash is yielding 4% at a minimum, right? In the relatively risk-free treasury market. So if you take Apple sitting at 167 billion in cash investments, that's nearly $7 billion coming in the door annually before it even sells a single iPhone. Just cash that it's sitting on, collecting money. Um, and you know, the numbers are similarly huge the other mega caps as well. And also when you think that their cash flow generation is going up as well. What we could see though is more calls to distribute that cash to shareholders who buy backs or dividends. I would say two things. One of which it's funny when you're, you know, part of the bull case for Apple is that, you know, they have a really good savings account, right? That's that's sort of never what you want to hear is that, yeah, I'm really excited about that company because they're getting a nice 4% yield in the treasury market on all their cash. That's well, let me tell you, as, as an Apple savings account holder. I was very pleased right. with that 4.15 yeah, yeah, yeah. APY. <laughs> I tell you, it that was what finally made me switch from right. my Chase account to my Apple because you get that yield. And that's how that's very interesting. That's partly how they're passing it on, right? Very smart way to get people into their ecosystem. Sorry, go on. No, no. But and I think that that is a good point, which is that it's putting up the, the you know, we talk about this now the multiple time we've talked about Garpy, but these cash positions are making these companies, uh, you know, stronger, more steady, more reliable. Uh, you know, they, they have much lower costs of capital because they can still go out to the to the bond market and raise money whenever they'd like. What's also funny is that you just brought up the cost to distribute cash to shareholders and, um, you know, there's sort of a perverse incentive thing, which is if they'd listened to investors to distribute cash to shareholders previously, then they wouldn't have any cash on hand mm -hmm. right now to make money yielding from. So, you know, this 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 in this rate environment, why not hold on to a little more of a cushion? And oh, yeah, we can make a nice return on it as well. I like that idea you bring up with Apple. They could either give money back to their shareholders. Not a bad idea or they can give it to their customers, right? They can use it to get people further entrenched into the Apple ecosystem, get people to have an Apple savings account or even an Apple credit card. Um, so there's, but it really just underlines the idea that they have so much cash to play around with. They can give it back to their shareholders. They can give it to customers. They can create new products with that cash, which just brings us back to that opening dynamic we talked about is that big tech in this environment they are the flight to safety, right? Even more right. so than some of your traditionally defensive sectors. I think the I think that the one thing is is are we then going to see some margin erosion, right? Because all of those things that you talk about, that's all on the investment side, that's all on the cost side. Even today, Mark Gurman reported that you know they uh, reported this is all him reporting that they were you know take Codbit flat footed. 
five and push into generative AI and all these chatbots. And now they're spending you know, large sums of money in the billions of dollar range to try to infuse AI into lots of different products. That's all coming from the cost. That's all cutting away from the bottom line. And just bring it back to interest rates. Investors want that profitability now, less so in the future. It's less appealing. So anyways, what do we get tomorrow? Gilbert, is it Alphabet? Is it Alphabet after the bell tomorrow? I think it's Alphabet tomorrow and then Amazon on Thursday. We've also got Microsoft this week and Meta. Um, So we'll be back breaking down all of those. And thanks for tuning in. See you tomorrow. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.